Amen. I want you to turn your Bibles to Acts 10, if you would. We're going to start a new sermon series for this new year, this new decade. It's just going to be about a month long. We're going to refocus our attention on what we've been talking about for a year or so now. Uh, oikos, that word is a Greek word that means not yogurt. It means household. And so you have a sphere of influence, your household, your people. Just look at it that way. Your people. Who are your people? And we're going to talk about how to reach your people these next few weeks again. And really, we're, this is kind of evangelism train, but also kind of just a reminder of our purpose as a church. Our purpose is to follow Jesus' purpose. Remember why He came? We just celebrated Christmas, and we need to remind ourselves over and over again. Jesus came on a rescue mission for you and me, and He's called folks to be part of the rescue squad, and that's you and me to help other people uh, be rescued from their sin and rescued from shame and rescued from a life of meaningless hopelessness, rescued from hell and death and the grave. And so we know there are people even in this place today as we worship that need to hear the message that you can be rescued and you can be in the family, in the kingdom, part of God's people and live forever. That this life is not all there is. As great as it may be for some of you, as horrible as it may be for others, this life is not eternity. But eternity begins now. It begins here. Eternal life begins here. And so we need to help other people recognize that together. Think about some significant dates in the history of our world and our nation that really changed us. I was asking some folks, and by the way, if you're 85 or older, would you raise your hand? 85 or older. 85 or older. So uh, let's give them a hand. That's a, it's a wonderful thing to think about that. But I was asking them where they were December 7, 1941, the day the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. That changed our country. Recently, we went to the World War II Museum in New Orleans. If you're ever in New Orleans, that's a great museum, and I'm not even a museum kind of person, but it is a great museum. And we that's the day that will live in infamy that got the United States involved in World War II. So I was asking him, do you remember? And most of those folks could remember at least the town they were living in at that, that time. That's been a long time ago now. I asked others where they were November 22nd, 1963. So if you're, let's say, 65 or 60, you might remember November 22nd, 1963. Remember that from history? The day JFK was shot. It changed our world. It changed our state. It changed our country. We think about things differently. No longer the presidents parade along the street in an open and convertible anymore. It changed the way we do our, our security. Think about it for those of us who are a little bit younger. September 11, 2001. You can remember. Can you remember? Raise your hand if you can remember where you were September 11th. Now, that, that includes a whole bunch of us. Now, if you're 21 or under, you probably don't remember September 11th at this point. But you think about how uh, security has changed in the airports and how security has changed across the borders of our country since September 11th. And we fight battles, political battles over those things. Those are significant dates. Now, think about significant dates in the life of your family for just a moment. The day you were born. More significantly, if you're married and you're a man, the day your wife was born. You better not forget that day, right? 
July 24, 1971 will be ever on my mind as I... I've not forgotten it, I don't think, yet. Has I? Have I? She looked like I forgot it before. But those, da- those days are significant. You think about the days your children were born. You know those dates. You think about some losses in your life. Those are things that have changed your world. Now think about this for just a moment. Think about the day. When the Spirit of God fell down on you, showed you you were a sinner in need of salvation. And you got a story to tell. We just sang about that. We've got a story to tell. It's our testimony. It's our salvation experience. And that was a day that should have changed every Christian in this room where we realized that this world is not revolve around us, that this world revolves around Jesus and we want to be a part of His kingdom and we want to do things His way and we want to follow Him. And His plan as He came was to give us life and give it more abundantly in John 10.10. His plan as He came was to call sinners to repentance, not the righteous. His plan was to come and to serve and not be served and to give His life as a ransom for many in John or Luke 19.10 tells us specifically, His plan was to seek and to save those who are lost. And so that's our plan. And that's our purpose. Is to help expand His kingdom. This time of year, I don't know if you get a little contemplative when you think about the last year or the next year, what's going to happen and all the things that have happened and all the things that are going to happen. Sometimes we think, And this is what said to me, I hope 2020 is better than 2019. And that comes from a a place of hurt, a place of pain, where you've lost someone or you've had uh, significant health issues or financial issues, and and you think about all the brokenness that happened in 2019. Well, what's going to make 2020 better than 2019? We think about the resolutions that we make to, to do better with our finances or be more more generous or, or keep to a budget or we do better with our, our physical health, go on a diet or, or make sure that we're doing what the doctors tell us to do or, or we think about our relationships and how we're going to connect or reconnect to people. And all of those are, are good resolutions, but we've got to remember that those things are not going to change things as much as God is. That God's in control of all of this. And so we've got to get on the same page with Him. We've got to make sure that our purpose is His purpose. And so all of life, really, revolves around this idea of how God wants to use you in your everyday life to fulfill the mission that He's called you to. Remember, we're going to look at at three significant characters in this story in Acts 10. A guy named Cornelius who was a centurion who had gathered his people. He was a God-fearing man. He was a praying man. He was a generous man already, but something... Something was missing. And he knew it. And so he'd go day in and day out into a place of prayer. And one day in that place of prayer, an angel came to him. And that's the background story to what we're going to read in just a moment. We're going to kind of walk through this uh, section together. We're going to start with verse 23 in chapter 10. Just draw your attention there for a second. But the background is Cornelius had this experience with God. 
He was seeking God. And an angel came and said, hey, go get the, the guy, Simon Peter. Have him come to your household. Have him come to your oikos. You gather your people together because I've got a message for you. I want to share with you what's missing. I know you're seeking me. I know you're doing right. But there's something more. You need to, you need to experience my power. And the end result of that is they did. The Holy Spirit of God fell upon him and his household. And the, and the truth of all of that is that God used Simon Peter, who was also in a place of prayer on a rooftop, seeking the Lord. And God gave him a vision, a different sort of vision. I call it the pigs in the blanket vision. Remember? Remember all those unclean foods that a Jew would have nothing to do with, things like pork and lobster, and those kind of things maybe were in, in that sheet, and, and the, the voice said, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter said, nah. Lord, you know I've never eaten those kind of things. I've always been a good Jew. Now, the whole point of the background in chapter 10, the beginning part, is to show how Roman that Cornelius is. He is a centurion in the, in the Roman army and he's in the Italian cohort. All of that, he, he's, a, he's a pagan, but he's seeking God. And the whole point of that background for, for Peter is to show how Jewish he is and how different he is and how prejudiced he is. Every one of us have some prejudices that need to be overcome in 2020. Some of them had to do with race and language of other people. Some of them had to do with hygiene and, and just meanness of other people. But everybody we lay eyes on in 2020 and have laid eyes on in 2019, we know they need Jesus because we need Jesus. We need Him to change our hearts and our lives and our attitudes and our, our vision for 2020. Who is it that's in your sheet? Is it lazy people? <laughs> There's a lot of those people around here. Is it workaholics? There's a lot of those kind of people as well. Every end of the spectrum, there's prejudice against. It may be Democrats, Republicans, we're not going there. But we think about all of the prejudices we have and how in this story, God tears those down for Peter. And God uses him literally to change the world. Would you think about this for just a minute? If that barrier between the Jews and the Gentiles have, had not been torn down, and if God had not got a hold of his heart, then we Gentiles wouldn't know about Jesus. How many of you in here are Jewish? Anybody? Do we have one person in this place that has a Jewish background? Then none of us would be included in the kingdom of God. God had to open the doors to the Gentiles, and He does that through this story. And God wants to open the doors to other folks that maybe we hold prejudice against. But realize and recognize, whether they're in your oikos or not, God can put them there in an instant. And that's what He does for Peter. He, 
Shows up on the front burner not even knowing. Peter has this vision on this rooftop. And he goes downstairs off of this rooftop. And there these guys are wanting to take him to Caesarea where Cornelius is. And the Holy Spirit had already spoken to him and said, Go, Peter. It's going to be okay. Go with them. God had been preparing him. Because you see, the chief character in this story is not Cornelius and not Peter. But it's God that's at work choreographing the salvation of Cornelius and his family. He had met with Cornelius in prayer, met with Peter in prayer, and connected them together. Change the world. Now that same Spirit's active. He's in you and in me. And if we'll be sensitive to the Spirit of God in 2020... We'll do what He calls us to do. So let's walk through this together and see how we change the world. Beginning with verse 23, I'm just going to kind of trace um, Peter's movement here. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he could hear the message. In verse 23, so Peter invited the men to stay for the night. They're in Joppa. The next day he went with them, accompanied by some of his brothers from Joppa. And they arrived in Caesarea, in verse 24, the following day. And Cornelius was waiting for them. And he called together his relatives and close friends. And as Peter entered his house, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. Could you imagine for a moment Cornelius' experience? He had this angel appear to him and tell him to call. And now Simon shows up and he thinks, this is God. This is the one that I've been waiting for. And so he falls and, and worships him. Now this is a, if you are familiar with slow pitch softball, this is a slow pitch softball to Peter. He's ready. God had done everything in Cornelius' life so that Cornelius would be ready to hear the message that Peter was so ready to share with him. And I'm convinced that there are more people in our community, in our Oikos, in our world that are waiting to hear the good news then there are people that are part of the kingdom of God believers willing to share the good news let's don't be them let's don't miss our moment we're going to get to that in, in just a second as we continue to walk through this. We see he's already ready and he falls down and worships Peter. And what is Peter's response to this? As we continue in about verse mm, 26. But Peter pulled up, him up and said, Stand up, I'm a human being. Just like you. There is nothing supernatural about Peter except the God that is in Peter, the Holy Spirit of God. There is nothing that supernaturally qualifies Peter to be able to share the gospel with Cornelius. That's the point of what he's saying. I'm not God, but I can tell you about God. And that's what I want you to see. We're just human. We're just human beings. We're just men and women. But we have an incredible God, extraordinary God, who lives in us and empowers us to do what He's called us to do and prepares us if we'll let Him. Peter was available. I think that's his most 
redeeming quality here. He was just available. Wanting to do what God had so laid on his heart to do. But doing it in a different place and a different fashion than he thought he was going to be doing. He thought he was going to his own people and here God calls him to somebody totally different and as he calls him and he tells him, so they talked together, verse 27, and went inside where many others were assembled. And Peter told them, you know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you, not only with Gentiles, but Gentiles in Caesarea. Jews hated that place because it was so uh, Gentile, because it was so Roman. And yet Peter finds himself in Caesarea in the home of a Gentile centurion Roman. Because God called him there. And he responded in obedience. And they arrived in Caesarea the following day. I'm sorry, later I missed it. So I, I came with, without objection. God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone in verse 27, or verse 28, no longer think of anyone as impure or, or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I sent for, I was sent for. Now, now tell me why you sent for me. Even though Cornelius was so ready Peter wants to examine where Cornelius is. Now, here's a great thought. As you try to reach your oikos, just put the ball in their court. Just ask them questions. This is one of the things I'm learning, and we're going to be uh, dealing with it in a little more detail on Wednesday nights. I invite you to, to join us, 6.30 on Wednesday nights, as, as we have uh, kind of evangelism training every week for the next few weeks. And, and just learn to ask the right sort of question. Anybody ever watch Columbo? I love that old detective Columbo. He's, he's so unkept and, or unkempt and so um, unassuming, and yet he gets to the, to the depth of the situation. If you've never seen it, kids, Netflix, wonderful. You know, I, I encourage you to watch Columbo on Netflix, even this afternoon, because the, the murder's already solved. And, and what Columbo does is he asks a lot of questions so that the murderer will confess. And what he, he does in such an unassuming manner is he just gets information from people. He tears down barriers with, with his uh, methods, with his tactics. And we can too, with questions. So Peter asks Cornelius a question, well, why, did you, why did you send for me? And Cornelius responds. We can ask questions like, Hey, do you have any kind of spiritual beliefs? No, write some of these down. You might want to use them with your oikos. You have any kind of spiritual beliefs? And you put the ball in their court. Or, or ask them simply, to you, who is Jesus? You see, that's a wonderful question. Because they can say, well, he, he's a great teacher. He's the one that, that's made a huge impact on the world. He can, he's, he's a miracle worker. They can say a lot of things. But if they don't say he's my Savior and he's my Lord, then we have real doubts whether they know him and have a personal relationship with him. You can ask questions, simple questions like, hey, do you believe in heaven or hell? And, and if you were to die, do you know for sure you're going to go to heaven? Why do you think you'll go to heaven? And you can probe with these questions and help people think about those things and help them think about eternity and never be offensive at all because you're just questioning. 
we share Jesus without fear that sort of way because one of the things that we are so afraid of in, a, in being a witness for the Lord is that people are going to reject us. And so when we learn to do certain things a certain way, then we eliminate some of that rejection. Ask questions like Peter does here. Because you look at the back of your bulletin, there's some outline there. I just want to give you the answers to all those things right here. Remember who you serve. It's God and others. And the, and the second thing is, is communicate the gospel to outsiders. We're going to cover that in just a second, how to do that. And, and the final thing is, is just help other people tear down their prejudices. Because that's what Peter does in chapter 11. He comes back to this group after what happens in chapter 10 with Cornelius. He comes back to a group of believers and they say, hey, what have you been doing hanging out with Gentiles? What have you been doing eating with Gentiles? And Peter says, basically, God told me to do that. And who am I to stand in the way of God? And these same Gentiles uh, that you are talking about like that, they received the same Holy Spirit we received. And in the end, those people in chapter 11 say, hey, praise the Lord. We didn't realize God was going to do that even among the Gentiles. We didn't know our hated enemy are going to be changed by the grace of God. It happens, folks. And it happened through a guy, a fisherman, like, G, like Peter, who was touched by Jesus. Remember when, remember when Peter first started following Jesus, what Jesus said to him? Simply this, follow me. Follow me. And then he said the next statement was, follow me and I'll make you what? Fishers of men. Fishers of men. Do you realize? Do you recognize? That to follow is to fish. To be a follower of Jesus Christ is to be a fisher of men. To have impact on your people. Your oikos. God wants to use you. In fact, He can only use you to be you in your sphere. You're the only one that can reach certain people. When they see a change in you, they'll say, what's up? Or when you ask them certain questions, they'll recognize, hey, why are you caring about me in this way? People want to be loved. You and I don't want to be loved. We want to be accepted. We, we want to be um, a part of something bigger than ourselves. And that's all we're doing. When we're sharing our faith in Jesus. We're expanding the kingdom. Expanding the family. We're adding new people. Isn't that why uh, the image that Jesus uses. Is you must be born again. It's like a new child into the family. Isn't that why the image that the Apostle Paul uses so often. As being adopted as sons and daughters. We're increasing the family. Don't you have great joy? Your grandparents when you're. Your children have children because you know you're not fully responsible for them, but you get to enjoy them, and that you get to send them home when it's time to go home, and all of that. You, uh, parents, aren't you excited, though, when you have a child? Isn't that one of the greatest days of your life? Now, isn't it even better to think you can make a Significant difference in people's lives, your children, your relatives, your friends, your oikos, 
not just for the 80, 90, 100, 120 years at best of this life, but for all eternity. So how do we do that? Peter is a great example here with Cornelius. Let's look at it. Peter told him, you know it's against our law for a Jewish man. And then he says in verse 30, Cornelius tells us why he asked for him to come. Four days ago I was praying in my house about this same time. Three o'clock in the afternoon, suddenly a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He's staying in the home of Simon a Tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once and it was good of you to come. Now, now we're here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. Now you could, you could share if someone said that to you, couldn't you? I hope you could. Now I want to know, what's the message you have for me? Could you lead them to the point where they would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ? If not, look what Peter does and what he says. Look how to communicate that. Will you? Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. See what he's doing? He a Jew, tearing down the walls between he and the Roman. Tearing down the walls between Jew and Gentile. God, God doesn't love me more than He loves you. There's no favoritism. In every nation, He accepts those who fear Him and do what is right. In every nation, God desires all people to be saved. That's what 1 Timothy 2.4 tells us. God says through Peter himself in 2 Peter 3.9, God's not willing that any should perish, but that everyone come to repentance. That includes you and me. I'm in, included in everyone. I'm included in all. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, Romans 10, 13, says will be saved. I'm, a, I'm in the whoever. You are too. So is the person you're dealing with and talking to. And so when we think about what he's doing there, he's just inviting them. And then he's, here's the message. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel. That there is peace with God. Through Jesus Christ. That's huge. Because it's not, isn't that what everybody's looking for, really? Peace with God. How can this holy God accept a sinner like me? How can I have a relationship with the creator of the universe? How can I experience a Abundant life with Him right here, right now. How can I know that God is on my side? Through Jesus Christ. Through what Jesus has done for us. Peter talks about Jesus for the next few verses. Watch what he says. Who is the Lord of all? You know what happened through Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. Verse 38, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with Him. And we apostles are witnesses of all that He did throughout Judea and Jerusalem. That's what God is calling us to to do. He's called us in, in Acts 1-8 at the beginning of the book just to be witnesses. 
what a witness is, is just someone who tells what they've seen, what they've heard, what they've experienced. That's it. The reason we don't share our faith more is because we're not hearing and seeing and experiencing enough of what God wants to do all around us. We're not sensitive enough to the Spirit of God that's within us. If we were, we have opportunity more than enough opportunity. Will you join me as a partner in 2020 to be a witness to the goodness and greatness of God? Who's your one? Just one. Who's your one? And so as we look at this passage and we look at the rest of what he does here, you know that God anointed him. Then Jesus went around doing good, delivering people, and we're witnesses. And then he says, and you know this, not only did Jesus live the life we should live, treat people the way we should treat them, love people the way we should love them, but then he died on the cross in our place. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, but they put him to death in verse 39 by hanging him on a cross. But God Verse 40, but God raised him to life on the third day. Raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear not to the general public, but to us whom God has chosen in advance to be his witnesses. And we were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Peter talking about his personal experience. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the, to be the judge of all. The living and the dead. And he is the one the prophets testified about saying that everyone who believes in Him will have their sins forgiven through His name. And the Spirit of God fell upon that Roman centurion and his whole oikos that he had assembled. And the gospel continued to spread and lives begin to be changed and continue to be changed. And the world as they knew it, and the world as we know it, has never been the same. Because of people like Peter. Responding to the Spirit of God. Now Christian, let's do it. Let's do it. Non-Christian, that forgiveness is for you too. If you've never made a public profession of faith, today's your day. Can be your day. You recognize what Jesus did for you on the cross, took your place, and how he whipped sin and death and rose again. And because he rose, you and I can rise and live forever with God. And that forever begins today. That forever can begin today. Let's pray together.
Father, help us. Help us see the example and the model and folks like Peter. We look at him and we think he's so wonderful and great, but when we look at the whole picture, we see what a bumbling, stumbling fool he can be at times. And yet you used him. Father, use us. Use us. Prepare us through diving into Your Word, through the the study with other believers, through prayer, through whatever means you see fit, visions, dreams. We don't fully understand all that, but Father, we want... We want to be Your people. And if Your purpose was to rescue us through Jesus, we want to be a part of that purpose. Always. Help us. Help us experience a life of faith where You use the pain and suffering of our lives and work it together for good. For those of us who love you and are called according to your purpose. Where you bring comfort and peace, direction and meaning beyond what the world says, the world provides. Use us, Father. Father, right now, I pray that if there's somebody in this place who's never admitted their need for You, never made peace with You, never believed that what You did was for them, never included themselves in the whosoever or the all or the everyone, that today you tear down those barriers and pour Your Spirit out upon them. They'd come to know You and be saved. It's in your holy name I ask these things, Father.